Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of our podcast, Legally Black. I'm your girl, Simone. And it's your girl, Cass. And today we are, like we promised, talking about the Derek Chabin case against his murder, which we can say now, a George Floyd. Yes, Cassidy. So... I didn't know it was Chavin this whole time. So for the purpose of this conversation, I'm going to say Shotman. But oh, say what? who cares? He's terrible. No. We're talking about the same person. She said Chavin. I'm saying Chavin, Chavin, Chavin. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah, there's Shotman trial. Guys, I think everyone was so stressed out. I was stressed. I was certainly stressed. And then when... It was announced. You called me. We were on the phone. It was 420. So many things were going on. And we found out. And I honestly, like, I didn't even realize how stressed I was until it happened. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. It is like I thought I knew the verdict, but it's like we can never know the verdict in America. Police shootings against unarmed black people was like. It could so easily. It could so easily have gone the other way. But like the fact that like it was so many black people on the jury and it was no questions and they came back with like a ruling right away. I'm like, there's no way. I was like, black people, if you didn't hold up, yeah, you're done. You're not invited to the cookout anymore. No, but speaking of black people on the juries, just before we start talking about the trial, I'll give you guys a little bit of information about the jury and the jury selection process. Well, not really the jury selection process because I don't want to talk about that, but just the jury in this trial. So the racial composition of this jury was one black woman, two multiracial women, two white men, three black men, and four white women. Huh. My jury up here. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, I really wish there was more white men on that jury. Huh. Eight of them were in their 40s and younger. I think the youngest was like in their early 20s, I think. Oh wow. Definitely in the 20s, the youngest. Could you imagine getting call for jury duty and it's like your first ever time and this is the one you get called for damn it's wild very i mean i would never have been picked for that jury because i would have been like fuck the cops (laughs) yeah i mean i guess you have to like play it down so that you do get picked for the jury but they ask you all these like questions where you're kind of like i don't know what you want me to say here yeah no they definitely do that i just they don't know what he would have said on that jury. No. I also would have lied during jury. Well, right. But you don't know, like, what necessarily it is. Yeah, but, like, basically, like, the jury selection, they asked about, like, uh, people's feelings towards policing, Black Lives Matter, shit yeah. like that. And if it's legal to lie about that during jury selection, I was like, I mean, I think it's, like, not legal to lie in a courtroom. But it's your personal <laughs> beliefs. <laughs> I think it's like you're saying, you know, how do you feel about this? And you're like, I don't know. I feel fine about it. It's that day. My beliefs change every day, bitch. Exactly. You don't know me. <laughs> but no, seriously, but um, on another note, not another note. So because of like what they asked about, like I said, policing, Black Lives Matters, et cetera, the most common like views or expressed like throughout the jury is that like a lot of them have like a slight negative view of Chauvin, shop- just like because I think most people... This was the, like, this was one case that there was no way to find someone who didn't know about it. Really. 
It's true. Yeah. So I guess they had to just go based off views. And so another common view, even really amongst the Black people, honestly, is that police make themselves safe, somewhat positive, or not all cops are bad. And then a lot of them were somewhat favorable to BLM. And if not favorable, they did they did think that Black people faced heightened injustices, mm-hmm. in America, criminal injustices in America. So I think those are some of the common, like I said, everyone, everyone didn't feel that way, but, you know. Yeah, that's interesting, I think, though. Yeah. There's no way around it, honestly. No, exactly. I think it's important, like, you know, you said that the jury was fairly diverse, which is different than some cases. And, you know, I think that's going to be good for the future, hopefully, when when inevitably these things happen again, which they do yeah. and have and will. I do question sometimes you see you after the trial and stuff. There was a lot of conversations about just kind of like, well, this one happened, but it doesn't mean that it's ever going to happen again. Or like, you know, there's no way to guarantee that this is the way that these trials are going to go from now on, which is kind of the problem. Like if they kind of like threw Derek Shaven to the to the wolves and were like sacrificing him. Again? What? It's like OJ, they gave us one win. They gave us a win, dude. <laughs> OJ is not a win for me, by the way. But I think OJ back there was a win for everyone. Yeah, because yeah. black people don't want other <laughs> black people in jail. You did it. Hey. I still don't think he did it. So that's fine with me. Are you fucking okay? That's a whole nother like episode of the OJ trial. We've talked about this. We have talked about this. There are other theories. Yeah. Right? It's fine. It's I, I don't it doesn't even matter. But we could do an episode on the OJ trial. <laughs> That'd be fun. You present your side. We'll have like a mock trial. You present your evidence. I'll present mine. We'll do <laughs> opening and closing testimony. I don't want to do that. Although you will be working in court. So basically what we decided, listeners, is that Cass is going to take you through the prosecution's case and sort of what they did. And I'm going to take you through to the defense side. Boo. We can't side. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like... They, I don't, I mean, they called like seven witnesses in response to the prosecution's like 30 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what we're doing. And then we will move on. Okay. Cass, take it away. (laughs) Okay. So just to start, I'm going to run through his charges and like what they mean, you know, what the jury, I mean, what the prosecution had to prove. And so... The possible charges were second-degree unintentional murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. So for second-degree unintentional murder, which in this case was felony murder, basically, the prosecution had to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Chauvin caused Floyd's death while committing the felony of third-degree assault. For people, I don't know if we've talked about the felony murder rule. I think maybe we've mentioned it. It basically, in a f- quite a few states, actually, I'm not sure how many, I didn't look it up. There's a rule that if you're committing a felony and someone dies while it's happening, could be anyone in like any part of the crime, you can be charged for that person's murder because of that rule. It kind of ties it in. So in some cases, it's applied to like two kids committing robbery and running away. And the police officer shot the kid's friend and that kid who was alive 
was charged for under the felony murder rule because someone died in the commission of the crime. So it's never, fucked never up. Have, it's fucked up, but hey, never have a good Exactly. I was going to say, this is the one time <laughs> we're like, okay, throw, throw it in there. Throw it in there. Murder. <laughs> yeah. And so third degree is so basically uh, there's like a, a requisite substantial bodily harm that has to be caused. Obviously dying. That seems pretty easy to prove. But so moving on to third degree murder, that entails that Chauvin caused Floyd's death by perpetrating an act imminently dangerous to others and evincing a depraved mind without regard for human life. I wish I can break that down further because it's legal jargon. But you guys, you know, you know. Maybe Simone can. I can't. Third degree murder. I, imminently, I mean, imminently dangerous. So it got to be dangerous. And yeah, anyways. Um. Yeah, third degree murder. Yeah. You don't have intent to kill. It's like the kind of thing where someone fires a gun into a crowd of people without technically exactly. intending to kill a specific person. It's just kind of like you are acting with an indifference to yeah, human exactly. life. Yeah. Exactly. Aka putting your um, knee on someone's neck for like 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then so second degree manslaughter, the for that, the prosecutors, the prosecution had to prove that Chauvin caused Floyd's death by couple, culpable no, negligence, creating an unreasonable risk, basically. Right. So, so he wasn't doing his job, which caused a risk that Floyd was going to lose his life, and he did. Yeah. So I'm just going to go straight into the um, prosecution's case. So central to all these charges, the causation part. And so I think that was the biggest point or the biggest thing that has to be proved in this case is that one, Chauvin caused George Floyd's death. And two, it was an excess of an unreasonable use of force. So those are the two things that the prosecution has to prove. And so, man, this case was laid out. So just like going into like different things that worked in the prosecution's favor, the fact that there were, I think there were five doctors and they all basically were like, that restraint was the primary cause of death. And then one doctor, which was a nice little smoking gun, was like, any healthy person subject to nine minutes of someone kneeling on the neck would have died. I would have died. I might, I might be the healthy person standard, but I definitely <laughs> Right, which means that that was the proximate cause. Yeah, which is crazy to think that, like, that was really even a question, but I defense, no, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so basically, like, because of that, it was, it was clear that there was a legal force. So now, like, because the doctors proved that, like, that was the cause or they, the testimony was enough, what has to be proven that Chauvin used illegal force compressing Floyd's torso, thus starving him of oxygen. And so the smoking gun again, but what was it, the uh, chief of police? Yeah, the chief of police. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he came with it. Yeah. He said, yeah, that's not part of training, not not ethical, not part of our values, and it violated policies around de-escalation, reasonable use of force, and requirement to render aid. You know, at that point, like, Chauvin should have rendered aid instead of trying to subdue him or whatever he thought he was doing. It was clear that George Floyd needed help. It's literally said he couldn't breathe. And so him not rendering aid was just like, just so obvious. But I think some of like the, the things that the prosecution like stress is um, 
they made sure to not criticize policing as a whole. Like this wasn't a trial about policing. And granted, maybe we wanted it to be, but that was a great move on the prosecution's part, because especially considering that most people felt favorable towards policing jury. Right. So that was a great move. You know, this was about shopping, not policing. And so they did that. Another thing they did was they humanized Floyd. They made sure to humanize Floyd. I mean, I think, you know, hearing about his drug struggles and the fact that it was a counterfeit 20, even though that makes me not dehumanize anybody, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I think it could. And so I think they stressed that, like, okay, this is a trial for Chauvin, not George Floyd. He did not get his trial that he possibly would have gotten if he was alive. Right. So let's keep the focus. And so that was another great point. And another thing that the prosecution stressed is to believe the video. I think it was one of them things where, like, I don't think no matter what you think, like, about policing or Black people that you thought that was murder. Like, in your gut, which is what the prosecution stressed, like, that looked like murder. Like, it was no... I've never seen the video in its entirety. I've really never seen the video at all. I've just seen pictures, but, like, just, I've read about it. And it's like, there's no way nine millions of millions on someone's neck who's saying they can't breathe is not murder. It just, yeah. like, is so you when you watch that video it traumatizes you because you're seeing someone die yeah literally like the breath yeah you're seeing someone being killed by another person and it's not the same as like a shooting video because that there's a distance usually to that which obviously what'd you say it's fairly what 10 seconds shooting 13 15 like shooting videos right they're very quick and this was, I mean, a lot. Yeah. Ten minutes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And so another point, and I think this is referenced in the closing argument, is the nine-year-old girl who witnessed mm. it. And fun fact, she was also the cousin of, uh, I don't want to butcher her, Darnella Frazier. Yeah. The girl who videotaped it. Thank you, Darnella. You will, give a, you will get a more proper shout out later. But they was like, it this is so simple that even a child understood it was murder. That was one of like the closing points, which is true. Right. Usually trials, are, I mean, I mean, not trials, uh, you know, children are simple and they be, they be right. Yeah. I mean, the problem with that argument to me is just that like, there is nuance in the law. So like, yeah. And when it comes down to like the things that he was being charged for, definitely second and third degree. Right. But it's like, it'd be, because children don't know that by them saying like, this is yeah. murder. You're like, yeah, one, two or three, like which degree child? Yeah. Like they don't know, but they do, they can't, they did, you know, they can tell yeah. that it's, you can tell that it's not just an accident, which is like, yeah. you know, manslaughter. the death of George Floyd, which is, I think that was the whole point. I think yeah. at that point, no one was like, I think it was the more like cause of death. I, I don't know. Nine minutes. is like, yeah, know, everything seemed obvious. Yeah. But um, I'll let you go into your weak-ass side. Okay. <laughs> Please don't act like I am the one arguing this. <laughs> I obviously am. God, I know you are. It's so rude. So <laughs> You're like, bitch, here you go. Okay, so uh, the lawyer for the defense, his name is Eric Nelson. Boo. How much money did you get paid? Well, so he works for a private criminal defense firm called Halberg Criminal Defense. 
boo again. He was up there basically. I read an article that was like about people being like, oh, he's like defending this all on his own. But the Minneapolis Police and Peace Officers Association Legal Defense Fund paid for at least a dozen other attorneys working the case behind the scenes, as well as him and his assistant attorney who was up there with Derek Chavin. And that covered, I mean, it was millions of dollars. It covered their legal fees, their salaries, like all of that. So whatever. They called seven witnesses over the two days. They had former police officers and current police officers, retired paramedics, an eyewitness, a use of force expert. His name is Barry Broad. Boo. He is terrible. So he... (laughs) I honestly, like, I guess this defense to me actually just seems like they were phoning it in, which I think might maybe be, like not fair to the defense team, but like to bring on a use of force expert who is a former police officer who teaches use of force to officers in California who taught it for 35 years, like to go on the stand to me, if I'm trying to convince a jury, I'm not going to choose someone who's a former police officer who's a use of force expert. I would call on someone who is a use of force expert, but maybe from something out. Like, I don't know, maybe like an ex-Marine or something. It just seems like, obviously, he's going to be biased towards the police. And basically, what the defense was trying to prove is that Chavin's use of force was reasonable and Floyd died because of his health issues and his drug use. It's just insane. (laughs) Like, I know this is their best argument, but like, oh my God, like, I was trying to figure out how that could even be. Well, because like, the whole their whole thing is that it's a totality of the circumstances thing that basically the prosecution didn't do enough to move the presumption of innocence over to be like right. not, you know, you're supposed to convince by whatever preponderance of evidence. I mean, this was the only argument they had. It was the only thing that they could say was this was reasonable. Very broad, this POS use of force expert said that, yeah, his use was justified. And also he said that the prone restraint, which is what he was using knee on neck doesn't hurt. (laughs) He said the level of force that they used to place Floyd on the ground was objectively reasonable and then he also said, I don't consider a prone control as a use of force. Wow. So, like, this that guy is. is terrible. Like, to say that, like, should have automatically, like, in the drive, like, just like, okay, you have no legitimacy at this point. Like, it just is so insane to wa- for everyone to be watching. I mean, the prosecution, how many days did the prosecution argue? Many more days than the, the the defense, many more than two. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. over these days, the jury has been hearing, seeing videos, hearing testimony, all these things. And then this guy's going to come on the stand and say, I don't think that that's a use of force. And I think it was reasonable. That's terrible. He's a terrible witness. Like, I mean, he's a terrible, like, person to put on the stand. Yeah, he could at least say it was a use of force because anything is a, like. Right. And so when he was in cross-examination, the prosecutor asked him basically, well, so he acknowledged that officers are trained to move suspects from the prone position to a side recovery position as soon as possible to avoid potential breathing difficulties. 
which to me is like, oh, okay. So potential breathing difficulties come from using a prone position. A little forceful. Which means that someone could stop breathing when they're in this position <laughs> and die. Together. Like it just is like, 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 I don't know. Law is so lazy to me because of that. Yeah. Like trials and like, oh my God. Like, dude. No. You've been better off just saying this is a use of force and it just wasn't excessive. I don't know. No. No, I think there was a lot. You said the defense had what, five expert testimonies of doctors? or, Or sorry, the prosecution. The defense had one. And he was a retired forensic pathologist and former head of the medical examiner's office in Maryland. Retired. So this old dude who's obviously, I mean, expert testimonies are paid for. Just so everyone knows. Just so everybody knows. Everyone can get an expert witness in any way to testify on their side. They'll come up with something. And so he came out here and he said that the manner of Floyd's death was undetermined which is not what the other doctors said, which said that it was a homicide. And he said that he believed the plaque buildup in Floyd's arteries and his hypertensive heart disease were the direct cause of death and that he had a sudden heart attack while he was being restrained. Such a bad argument because it's like... He wouldn't have had that heart attack if it had not been happening to him. Exactly. And it's like... We're not saying that. So, like, the idea, like, if he wouldn't have been found guilty off these bad arguments, it almost would have, like, kind of opened up a slippery slope of you have to be in the perfect health condition. Exactly. Or else any health condition you have is going to be the actual reason that you die and not the fact that someone's knee is cutting off your airways. Yeah. For 10 minutes. Yeah, bad argument. Bad argument from that point alone is just, like, you do realize unhealthy people. <laughs> it's like uh, yeah. someone can be convicted of murdering an unhealthy person. That it's happened. It happens. We know it can. So that is like a non-starter argument, anyway. Yeah. Very bad. Very very bad argument. <laughs> yeah. So I have some notes from the closing arguments, which took two and a half hours. Yeah, more than the prosecution. He was really trying. He was trying so hard and he was saying literally nothing. (laughs) He tells the jury to compare the evidence against itself. Test it. Challenge it. What? Literally, like, uh, do your job, dude. And then this wouldn't be a problem. He was basically he focused on how a reasonable officer would have handled the situation exactly the same way that Chavin had handled it. Laughable. It's insane. There were a couple of like really crazy things in here that I just wanted to point out. One of them, no, it's like, it's just like, it's not like funny in a ha ha sense, but it's just like, these people are paid a lot of money to do this. And like, it's funny in the fact that like, there are people like stressed about whether or not they can be an, like, an attorney. And I'm like, this person's an attorney. You can do it. Yeah. So he said that the focus on the nine minutes and 20 second, 29 seconds that Chavin was on top of Floyd is not the proper analysis because the nine minutes and 29 seconds ignores the previous 16 minutes and 59 seconds of the police interaction with Floyd beforehand. And it's he's saying that it, they're disregarding the fact that by the time this was happening, a reasonable officer 
would have been doing this because of the amount of time it took for them to get to that point. And like, so I'm saying that like, in my mind, that means a reasonable officer cannot keep their shit together for after 15 minutes. It's just whatever they do is reasonable because 15 minutes is too long for them to be trying to subdue someone. And by then they've just become, oh, irrational. Like, it's like, I don't like, it doesn't make any sense. So that was something he said. Okay, this, I'm sorry. This was wild to me that this was even in his closing arguments and that it was even something that they pointed out. Because to me, this is reprehensible that Chavin. So in the video, there's a point where obviously Floyd says, I can't breathe. And then Derek says, you're talking. And what... (laughs) And so the attorney, the defense attorney, Nelson, said that it demonstrated the idea that if you can talk, you can breathe, which is a common view among reasonable police officers. So, like, if he was able to say, I can't breathe, he could breathe. And so a reasonable police officer would not have believed him because he was talking and would have kept like, I don't. I'm like, the logic that follows that is like, what? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we need more training on when people can breathe. If someone says, I can't breathe, just because they are saying it does not mean that then they are breathing in. It doesn't mean that they're taking more. Like, it's just like, I don't it's know. An it's an insane argument. Breathing that you can't speak. I mean, right. It's not a rational person argument, let alone a. Exactly. A reasonable police officer. No, exactly. Oh, another argument he made is, do you do something purposefully that you know is an unlawful use of force when you have four body-worn cameras immediately in the area where you have multiple civilians videotaping you? Basically, he's saying that a reasonable officer would not do something illegal because they know that there's cameras. Because they're being watched. So a reasonable officer. So legal shit when they're not being watched. <laughs> right. And also, like, so that means that no police officer who's reasonable would ever commit a crime if there were surveillance cameras. And that is a crazy argument to me because it's like, that's not true. My man was really grabbing for anything. his question to the jury do people do things intentionally and purposefully when they know they're being watched yes yes they do (laughs) yeah so basically he felt like that showed a lack of intent there was a part in which he is like in the video or just in general when shaven is like kneeling on george floyd's neck when he has like a pulmonary embolism from not being able to breathe, his body kind of like twitched, right? And his leg moved. And he argues that that to a reason, like a police officer who doesn't have medical training, like like who doesn't know about like actual medical things would think that he was still alive because he was like fighting against him so that it would be reasonable to keep putting him in this position. He just was trying so hard to get the jury to be like, the death was a multifactorial process, meaning no single factor played any greater role than any other. And I think that's crazy because one single factor that played a big role 
was the fact that there was someone cutting off his air. For nine minutes. Crazy argument. I mean, it was bad. I don't understand why he did not testify. Like, I think he fucked himself by not testifying, honestly. Because, yeah. like, you had nothing. So, at the very least, you should have tried to do humanize yourself. I don't think he would have done a good job. I mean, no, he's clearly, like, a psychopath. To be cross-examined by that prosecutor, he would have folded. I, you guys, just for uh, reference, Chauvin invoked his Fifth Amendment right to not testify against himself. And I am of the opinion that he should have testified because he had nothing else. Like, yeah, that video is so damning. The evidence is so damning that he should have tried to, like, humanize himself. Well, I mean, I think he probably thought it would have hurt him and he probably thought he was going to get off. So, like, he didn't. And so it couldn't have made it worse, him testifying. But I do think he probably wouldn't have been because they'd known each other in the past. There's going to be all sorts of questions about other misconducts that he's had that haven't been investigated or use of force or, like, cases against, excuse me, against him that have happened. You know, it's like it opens up this huge can of worms. And I think... Before the trial, he was like, there's no way I'm going to do that because I don't want that to be opened up. At this point, it I mean, it wouldn't have mattered, apparently. It wouldn't have even mattered. I mean, I'm a huge fan of people putting themselves on the stand and doing terribly, if they're terrible people. I just think he kind of thought he was going to get off. He did. Anybody who would have looked at the evidence objectively and been like, no, this was really bad. You need to try to do something. Yes. To save yourself. I feel like I would have testified. Yeah, um, obviously I don't know because I don't know what the lawyers recommended. Right, know, like the exact thing behind it, but I don't know. It just that was a crazy thing. Like when I, I mean, it's shocking to me that his lawyer didn't suggest it, considering how terrible his lawyer was. I mean, he was handed a pile of shit, but he really did not he do. Was he, I think that's the best I would have came up with too. You couldn't have found a better. I mean, I would have found a better witness than this fucking very witnesses for sure. That that has to be the argument. There's no there's no other way because you can't even like it's one thing when like with shooting cases. Oh, he was running away. He was fleeing for his life. He had a knife, whatever you can make up. But like in this case, like he wasn't going anywhere. He wasn't doing anything. And Derek Shaven was just. And it was nine minutes. Exactly. As much as I hate prisons, I'm excited that. Derek Chavin will be going to prison. <laughs> Man, I hope he at least get 20 years. At least, like, get, like, 40 years for second degree murder. Yeah, you can. Man, at least get his man 20. At like, least. I, I mean, he won't make it that long in prison. He should. Never mind. He's a cop. <laughs> We've talked about this. We don't need to talk about it. So, yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know. Did you have some other stuff you wanted to say? No, I was going to say, uh, for real, like, Special thanks to Darnella Frazier. She, yes, the girl who she was seventeen at the time. She caught her on camera. Man, changed the world. Honestly, she really did. Yeah, and that's not to say that like policing has changed, but like this was like us seeing that. Think about like all the months and still occurring outrage and protesting and. And I mean, we were. It was you know obviously it was not. It's not a good thing that this happened, but it was so crazily timed. Oh, Nancy Pelosi us. Oh, my God. No, I'm saying it was crazily timed in the middle of the pandemic for people to just be sitting around to then see this video pop up. 
and be like, I have nothing to do. Like, fuck this. Yeah. Which I think is great. Yeah. So, man, yeah, special thanks to her. She, a lot of people apparently have been advocating for her to win. Like, she's already won some, like, uh, media awards, but, like, apparently, like, some people, I think, I think maybe Spike Jones, Spike Jones, Spike Lee. <laughs> I mean, because if you think of this, is probably the most instrumental piece of journalism, photo, video, whatever. Yes. In the last, what? In a long time. Man. In a long time. Yeah, it's true. It was, it's crazy because when I think back to like Philando Castile, right? That shit was crazy as fuck, right? When that video happened, I think a lot of people were sad. And when this video happened, I think a lot of people were mad. You know what I mean? And I don't, I, I, obviously people were mad with Philando Castile shooting. Like that was not, I just mean, it was sad. It, it, it brought out like a sadness in me for what was going on in America. Whereas this one was like broad daylight, full murder, like I'm angry. And, and that's the thing, like that's what's separate for me. And obviously all this shit should be murdered. But like with the gun, like that's a split decision, right? Typically. Right. So whether or not we convict cops over split decisions, that's another question. I think it should be yes. Yes. If it's unlawful, regardless of how reasonable we think it is. But I mean, like, this took 10 minutes. So this man had, what, 10 minutes to literally be like, I am doing too much. To continue making this decision. Yes. Yeah. I think it's crazy that we have this idea that police officers should be more readily forgiven for using their guns and things. Yeah. Qualified immunity things. When, to me, it should be the opposite. You should have a heightened scrutiny. You are a trained professional who carries a weapon that can end someone's life. You should be held to an even higher standard than a normal human being. And if you discharge your weapon at a person and it means that someone dies, the investigation should be thorough and should most often end with someone losing their job and their pension. It's the only way. It's the only way that it would ever stop. Yeah, I'm hoping that, like, this scares, like, what's her name? What's that bitch name? One quit, um, killed, uh, Dante, uh, right? Oh. I don't know. Potter? I Officer Potter? Like, I, think, I mean, I would be shook, honestly. Yo, I'd leave. <laughs> I would be shook right now, like, if I was, I'm hoping that they are shook and be like, all right, let's tighten up a little bit. Let's yeah. Unarmed black, black men and women and children. Yeah, no, that's, that's what's crazy. It's like, if I am unarmed, I don't care what you thought you murdered. Like, that, that's my thing. Like That's exactly it. Like, I'm so confused about how it can be anything else. It could be un- unintentional, like second degree, whatever. Right. You what still is? fired, you still fired a weapon without thinking of the fact, like, uh, of a human life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. And yeah, that's why I'm like so confused on how it's never, like, to me, it should be automatic charges. Like, if a person is unarmed and they die, I don't even say how, there shouldn't even be a question of whether or not charges should be brought. I agree. Now, the, now the case, and they, they should bring the case, and obviously, the decision's in the hand of the jury or the bench. Like, I just right. don't understand how it's any other way where it even has to even be an issue of whether or not to bring a case. I, I just think it's ridiculous, and it's a, one of the many shortcomings of our criminal justice system. Definitely. I don't expect anyone to do anything about that for a while, but it's good that people are thinking about it, I guess. 
Yeah. No, that shit's wild. It's just wild that. I mean, I think yeah. state some states, I mean, right, Colorado ended qualified immunity. I think other states are doing it. Weirdly enough, FedSoc is into ending qualified immunity too. So okay. FedSoc. Conservative. Conservative. Sorry, the Federalist Society is a law school group that is, I mean, I guess it's a national society, but it has law school chapters and it is a conservative group. And typically they are on the wrong side of everything, obviously, but they don't like qualified immunity either. So, okay. Yeah. Good for that. (laughs) On the wrong side of history, but. Yeah, typically. Well, you guys, that is it. That is our... That's the app. Uh, hope everyone's happy with the results. I know I am. Mm-hmm. I think anyone listening to this is probably happy. I don't think we have any haters yet, but if you know, if you are out there and you're a hater, feel free to leave us a review or something. Yeah, haters. No, don't leave. Don't, don't fuck up our review, but leave. Email us. Tell us what you hate. Yeah, you let hate us it. know. We'll put you on the pod. Now, I, I think everyone, honestly, like everyone I talk to you through, I did think would be like, it's like, yeah, that was murder. Like, that was a wild ass thing. Yeah, that's good. So do you have any songs for us, Cassidy? I know the last time we recorded, Cass said she'd put together a playlist of her songs. I've not done that. Well, in between that time and this time, Cass broke her foot. So we're not going to talk about how. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we can give her a week or two to make up for that. If she wants to put together a playlist that's coming out, we'll throw it in the description the next time we do a pod. I want you guys to know that me breaking my foot has nothing to do with why this playlist isn't completed, but Simone tried to throw me a save. I mean, I don't know. It's finals. You broke your foot. My computer was broke. Her computer also was broken. That's true. It was like two weeks. You've had some, some bad things. But also your birthday. So good things for everyone listening. Her birthday was the night she broke her foot. <laughs> Indeed. Anyway. Okay. So my songs of the week, you know, I put together a few playlists recently. Not the one I should be putting together, apparently. So. Wow. You did put together playlists, but it wasn't. It was even... a long time ago. It was oh. a long time ago. You just said recently. <laughs> okay. I like <laughs> I embellished. It was still recent to me. And so just to kick off. So, obviously, you guys know Kim and Kanye is, is divorcing. And e. so, one of my songs is Wouldn't Leave by Kanye West featuring Party Next Door. Other song, Otis Hell, great album. Kendrick Lamar, Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst. This is probably my favorite Kendrick Lamar song. And I love Kendrick. So, please like, listen to that song. It's long as fuck. It's a great song, honestly. It's from um, Good Kid, Mad City. Great album. Should have won Grammys, but Macklemore took that one. What a joke. Don't get me mad. Don't get me mad. God, remember Macklemore? What a, I mean, he just like swept the whites. They loved yeah. him so much. Did you like that song, Thirst Shop? What, what, what? I mean, yeah, it was a bop, but like, I did it? make sure I agree it was a bop, but still, it wasn't a bop. It wasn't like a let's win a Grammy over here. Yeah. <laughs> My other song is Reborn by Kid Cudi. Nice. I hope this might have been one of my songs of the week already, but I don't think so. Anyways, it's on the Kid See Ghost album. Amazing. Kid Cudi's obviously amazing. My other song is Ace 
by No Name, Smino and Saba. It's No Name's album. I love No Name, you guys, by the way. I think she's a phenomenal artist. She's from Chicago. She's great. And last but not least, I believe that was five. But Self-Care by Mac Miller, R.P. Mac Miller. This might have been one of my songs a week before. Again. Listen to it again. Do it again. You know, that song, uh, I think that's my favorite Mac Miller song. One of them. At least, like, over, like, his newer stuff, I would say. It's my favorite Mac Miller song. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. T- I don't know if my song of the week should be "Self Care" by Mac Miller or "Sing Sing About Me." I'm dying of thirst. Just in the spirit of black blackness, it's gonna be "Sing About Me." I'm dying. Yes, <laughs> I concur. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the songs of the week. Playlist coming soon. Give me a few weeks, one or two weeks. Let me finish finals. You heard? Ugh, you heard. So, speaking of finals. I have not been cooking all that much, mostly because of finals and because I've been getting food to go eating out. I did make myself a really big batch of that broccoli salad that I talked about last ep. And I've just kind of been eating that throughout the week. But one thing that I did want to talk about, which is one of my favorite things to eat and super fun and easy to do while you're busy, is to make fancy toast for dinner. You can do it for lunch, breakfast. But you have to do it when you have time to really put in the effort for the toast. Toast is one of my favorite things to eat. I love bread of any kind, as long as it's, you know, good. So fancy toast. The key is, like I said, you have to have good bread. If you don't live somewhere where you know that there's a bakery nearby where you can get good bread, first of all, I feel sorry for you, but I doubt that that's true. Most grocery stores, even the big ones, will have like a couple, like will have something in the bakery where you could get like a nice sliced like loaf of something. So get that bread. I like my bread to be more crispy than soft, but toast temperature is really up to everyone. The thing with fancy toast is you kind of want it to be thick and you kind of need it to be toasted enough that it folds up if it's not going to be a thick piece of bread. I think if you're going into planning a fancy toast, You want to make sure that you have the layers in your mind, like what's going to be my base? Is it going to be goat's cheese? Is it going to be pesto? Is it going to be avocado? You could do anything. Brie, do you want your toast to have melted cheese on it and then to put stuff on top? Or do you want to make it like a little bruschetta and then melt some cheese on top of that? I don't know. I love smoked salmon. You could always do a fried egg. You know, like (laughs) one of my favorites, I'll give you a fancy toast recipe that I love. Really nice sourdough bread, thick slice. Then you're going to go with a nice either cream cheese or goat's cheese, depending on how you feel. Smoked salmon, some pickled onions or just regular red onions. If you want some pickled, like some cucumbers, regular and then some like lemon pepper. That was an open-faced fancy toast we would make at a place that I used to work at, and it was delish and really yummy. Um, Avocado toast obviously is great and easy. I would say spice it up, throw some pepper flakes on there, maybe some pickled Calabrian chilies. Make yourself like a good, throw some little lemon zest on it, like have a blast. Fancy toast can also be sweet. I love myself. I know, I love... My roommate loves to make cinnamon sugar toast, which I think is great. Nice, a lot of butter. 
and then some cinnamon and sugar. I like to do a goat's cheese toast with like a nice jam, like a nice goat's cheese with like a little blackberry jam on it. Yeah. I like that actually. Chef's kiss. Okay. Well, that's all. Now I'm starving and all I want is fancy toast, but I hope you guys make fancy toast this week and I hope it's inspired by me. You make me some fancy toast? Yeah, I guess. I'm only here for one more week. Oh, not today. Yeah. It can't be today. We got to go. Uh, Simone's taking me to my doctor's appointment. Yes, she's going to get all cast up. Cast getting a cast. So this is the last week for a couple of weeks, probably, that we will be putting out a new episode. Uh, We have finals coming up. I'm traveling back to California. I'm driving from St. Louis. We're starting our summer gigs and kind of just finishing things up. Things are going to be kind of hectic. But I'm hoping that in June, we can come back to you guys. And we were thinking of doing something a little bit different, a little bit more fun for us. So because we will be working a lot and we'll be pretty busy as 2L Summer Associates, we thought it could be kind of fun to do something like watch an episode or a season of a TV show and review it and give our comments. So if you're just here for the legal stuff, apologies, maybe check back in for our next season. But I feel like we are funny people, so you should probably want to hear us review a show. Right now, we are leaning towards doing something like Flavor of Love because we love it and it's got a lot of flavor. But also what might be good is like shit, like what's the shit y'all be like Harry Potter type shit. I've never I don't watch that type of shit. And so I, I think it's weird. She did also suggest Star Wars, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Me commenting Star Wars. I mean, it would be a good time. Have you read the Harry Potter books? No. Well, so I don't really like the it movies. Like so I'm not really sure I would want to do the movies because then that would mean I would have to watch them too. We'll see. If you have a suggestion for us, please let us know what you'd want us to listen to and watch. And remember that it's supposed to be fun for us too. And it'll just be a quick blip over the summer and we will get back to spouting the legal analyses once we get back to the world. It would be abroad. We could be abroad. We could be international. We're going to be international lawyers next semester. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our recounting of the trial of the terrible person Derek Javen. And I hope that you please rate, review, and subscribe because we would love that. Even just to hear from you guys to say, wow, it's amazing. Way to go. That's all we need. And like a five-star review. We some five-star bitches. That's true. Don't forget it. All right, everyone. Have a good rest of your week and the next month. Enjoy your summertime summers. Bye, y'all. Toodles.